1: listening to Nobody Cares except for me. I am your host, Auntie Donahue, and we have our first international guest (gasps) today. Oh
2: my gosh, a foreigness. A A foreigness. A
1: foreigness. Oh my God. She is an author. She is a comedian. She is a writer. She is a performer. She is unstoppable. Oh,
2: she's a lady.
1: She's a lady. Ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Benincasa. Did Hello. I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, you did. Okay, good. You totally did. I practiced that in the car.
2: It's well, it's a confusing last name. It's a weird surname and and actually my my I use my mother's maiden name for Ooh. um because when I started doing comedy, I was I love that I said comedy. I, I say comedy. I don't I, I immediately went earlier today I was like bumped into somebody I was like oh, I'm so sorry and she was like it's fine and I was like what am I doing you're turning into us <laughs> it's 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 like adapting to I mean I have cousins um, and my aunt and uncle who who live in Toronto and so I remember when I was little my older cousin teaching me like okay it's not Toronto it's Toronto and she also was like oh, yeah. here's a stack of books <laughs> and it was like it was like Gordon Corman and like it was like uh, Ella Montgomery Gordon Corman it was like greatest young adult hits of the past 200 years oh <laughs> or God 150 bless. years yeah. So she was just like, this is and it's funny, she's she was joking to me. She's like, I'm gonna pretend that I influenced you for comedy. And I was like, dude, you influenced me in a major way. You're my cool older cousin. You were Canadian. You took me to Ontario place when I was little. <gasps> R.I.P. Yeah, oh my God. R.I.P. I think about it all the time. I'm like, that was such a good place. It was such a rad that water. That was park. such
1: a fucking good place. And it they was had the so log ride. I wish should we I was gonna say we should have just talked about Ontario Place for your topic. But it said you chose one that I and I I inspired myself for this conversation by listening to a song inspired by it <gasps> twice yes. yesterday. I went on a power walk. I was angry oh. about something and I was like yeah, walk it out. Go go for a little That's walk. That's true. It
2: is the um my uh my friend and, and ex-boyfriend uh John always quotes uh oh gosh. Uh, the, okay. I forget who it was. It was this um this philosopher who was a student of Plato's, but he used to fuck with Plato. By eating during his lectures and making fun of him and stuff, and he was just a real rap scallion. But he used to say, um, "It is solved by walking."
1: Yeah, and
2: that, uh, it, but but in Latin, I guess, or whatever. And uh, it is solved by walking. But it's it, it's great. You can walk it out. There's a reason so many cultures have like walking meditations, walking prayer, walking rituals. It's great for you.
1: I walked it out and listened to. Um A lot of disco, if I'm honest, because you can't really stay angry when you're listening to disco. No, it's hilarious and fun. I mean, it's so fun, actually. So is this topic. For a while, it was fun for him. And then it wasn't so fun. Who are we talking about? We're talking about, right, I'm going to
2: say his full name. Oh my god, full name first. This is dramatic. Um, and I'm not. I, I don't speak Russian, so I'm going to fuck this up. But uh, also, am Dubai. I allowed to swear? I probably please am. do. Yes. Okay, I should have asked that before, but it's more no. fun when guests on air are like, "Can, Can I, swear I swear on here? this podcast?" Yeah, this is a cool
1: podcast. <laughs> this isn't a normal podcast. This is a cool podcast. <laughs> I'm on a surfboard right now. That's how cool it is. <laughs> hey,
2: you are, and you're smoking weed, and I'm like, I don't I know, know if that's even shit. allowed in this building. Here,
1: I have a mirror. There's some cocaine on it. Please, yeah, we're doing
2: a lot of. Drugs, aka, you're having an iced tea and I'm having iced coffee. And
1: I ate these Madeleines very, very, very quickly. Very
2: Proustian of you. A little bit. Remembrance of things, and Donahue. Okay, Grigori, Grigori. Uh-huh. Yefimovich Rasputin. <gasps> Rasputin, dude! Russia's
1: greatest love machine! Hell
2: yes! He was a Russian mystic and self-proclaimed holy man who befriended the family of Tsar Nicholas II, the last monarch of Russia, and gained considerable influence in late imperial Russia until he didn't. And he looks like... He looks
1: He looks like the doctor from Wild Wild Country.
2: He looks like... Which I haven't seen yet, but I need to watch. Because I know. will be
1: like, oh, it's Rasputin. And I
2: also have been... Uh, my friend Susan Burke
1: Who's a writer? I love her,
2: comedian. She, a delightful, name, delightful. Let's just woman. name drop
1: all the people we love and know. Oh, she's
2: the best. She's she, awesome. Oh yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my, I'm so excited to know her. So she, I'm in a book club. I haven't been able to go yet, but uh, she had the first book club meeting recently, and it's it's about um, cults. So they're Ooh. trying to pick a cult book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were able to pick a cult book yet, but this is very Rasputin, very. Um, he was a culty guy.
1: He was a culty guy. Also, there's a really good book on Jonestown by the uh, writer of the Manson book.
2: Oh, okay, cool. So there's
1: one. It's called Jones I think it's just called Jonestown. The
2: psychology of cults is is fascinating to very me. Like, interesting. It's, it's not so much the when I, I would prefer that they not meet a tragic end and that people be sprung from them and get out of them. And but uh, it is a fascinating. You know, going clear is fascinating.
1: Going clear is fascinating. Wild, wild country is very fascinating. Okay, so take me back to you discovering him and becoming obsessed with him.
2: My friend Rachel Perry in high school took Russian, and I don't know if we learned about Rasputin, if I learned about Rasputin through her or through learning about the Russian Revolution and the the murders of the royal family, Tsar Nicholas and his family. But I do know we were talking about Rasputin a lot then and kind of making cracking jokes, but also being fascinated and um, – yeah, it was high school. It was this – I went to a high school, Hunterdon County uh, Regional – Hunterdon Central Regional High School in Flemington, New Jersey. And um, we had this fantastic history and social studies department that uh, in this red, very conservative for New Jersey or anywhere county that went for Trump actually in a blue state, in a state that usually goes you know, for the Democratic candidate for president – so in that context, like growing up, it's pretty country, a lot of hunting and guns and conservative stuff. Our text for social studies sophomore year was Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. Oh. And we learned about um, about colonialism and we learned about uh, – China and Tibet, and we learned about human rights, we learned about torture, we learned about, I mean, and this is the 90s, we were learning about all this amazing stuff, and reading different perspectives, too, reading more conservative perspectives, like, it was such a cool place, and at some point along the way, learned about Rasputin.
1: And then, I mean, what was it about him, out of all of the other things you learned about that you kind of, not embraced, but became intrigued by, maybe would be a better phrase?
2: I think it was his psychological power over powerful people his manipulative power m- manipulative yes mm-hmm. um i just I, I should put in context that we're recording on a beautiful afternoon in toronto and i got in from la at uh, about 3 a.m and then didn't sleep enough because i was so excited to be here hey. just bouncing around my hotel room like look at that look at that you a great view it is a lovely view you have it a is lovely really view. really nice and good I'm so happy. Thank you, um, Ian, from Empire Comedy Live for booking me in that room because it's so lovely. Is it but, Ian
1: McIntyre? Uh, Ian, oh, Ian, Ian Atlas. Ian Atlas. Sorry. Yeah. There's an Ian McIntyre. But Ian Atlas is a delight. Yeah. He's yes.
2: so so. – I'm so glad – stoked to be here and he, I'm so glad he brought me. But um, so it was the idea that somebody could hold – and as a teenager I found this fascinating in particular – that somebody could hold this kind of power over someone without drugging them or, mm-hmm. or brainw- you know, or Making them, like he really got the ear of the Tsarina and was very emotionally manipulative. And she was, my understanding, and I haven't read a whole biography of him yet, I will now, is that he was able to sort of manipulate her because she had a child who was a hemophiliac and she was terrified of losing this kid. And so he was a mystic and, you know, part of the sort of worldwide trend, or at least in Western culture, and I know we're in Russia, so we're on the edge of Western culture, was mysticism in the late Victorian period. And this was super late Victorian period, but he was like a healer and, uh, you know, he was a charlatan.
1: I think that there's also, the way he's portrayed in pop culture is like, you either don't hear very much about him or you do in the documentary circuit, but then you hear, like my introduction to him was the Bonnie M song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, what an interesting choice for a song. Like, what a, and it's such an upbeat song. Like, you have to play at weddings or your wedding is shit. Like, it's the most fun time. I mean, I, maybe this is like me being a lawyer or something in my head, but I'm like, that is a testament to his influence still, his like lo- lasting influence because the Russians can make anybody disappear. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, don't quote me on they that. Can, they can, CNN. They, can <laughs> they can make a, uh,
2: eminently overqualified presidential candidate disappear.
1: (laughs) Uh, They can make a lot of things disappear and a lot of people not live anymore. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's infiltrated into Western society and become like mystic again in his own right, there's this romanticization about him that doesn't exist with a lot of, uh, because it's almost like you kind of put him in the same camp as Vlad the Impaler, but Vlad the Impaler is an actual like person that put people's heads on sticks. He earned, because they made Dracula over him, whatever. But like Rasputin did mysticism was like a little like an an influence but then like men got very threatened by him and then he was a sexy jerk he was a sexy
2: jerk (laughs) and also i think that at least being raised in the states like there was in the the post-world war ii sort of cold war and then post-cold war era our, our image of russians is um, of russian men is in film and television is fairly sexless or if they are sexual it is pure aggression like
1: predatory almost. predatory
2: aggression and, and which which is a metaphor for how we view politically how we were raised to view russia as a whole not russian people specifically but but yeah actually you know i think that is it, it i was the sort of Propaganda about evil empire and all this—not that it was all inaccurate by any means, but was that um, Russia was this sort of cold, sexless place where it was you don't see images that of, of Russian men that are are nuanced mm-hmm. in in United States in the U.S. at least the you, you know, so like or in the U.K. or what have you, it's Bond villains and stuff. You know, you don't, and they're just all they want is power. And you don't see necessarily – and I know I'm being very broad here – depictions of a Russian man who is super sexy and appealing and all these things. So I think that – or that believes in God or purports to believe in a god or purports to believe in in this mystic world. It's this very like godless, sexless and, – and all of that obviously is tied up with politics and, and with U.S. agenda. But – um So to hear about this character when you grow up in that, steeped in that, this person who was like very sexy and who was spiritual and all this stuff is really interesting. And then you look at his picture and I mean, I'm not about it, but he's got some intense eyes. I'm not really into the beard. Yeah.
1: He's very like, I mean, everybody, if you don't know what he looks like or you don't know what the doctor from Wild Wild Country looks like, I'd say if Jared Leto grew, like Jared (laughs) Leto, he's a little Jared Leto-y.
2: He's like, yeah, like Jordan Catalano the the death of the dream of Jordan Catalano is Jared Leto in reality. Those dead eyes. <laughs> or at least, I mean, I don't know him at all, but those stories you hear about him being a dick on set, I don't know if they're true or not, but um. Yeah. Think, let's just say they're true. Let's just assume this podcast owes nobody anything. True. It's probably true. It's you know Jordan Catalano grows up to be a Rasputin. Yeah. It's it's he looks like Jared Leto at the Met Ball <laughs> with
1: with. He does looking like Jesus Christ yeah, JC yeah
2: but just like probably with much worse dental care at that time. A hundred
1: percent. It's interesting too what you said about the way that like we do portray. I mean because I think. R- Russia, as a country, as a political power, um, as an entity, has kind of been seen as like another brand of other. Like I'm using quotations. For sure, big big O other. And then you see not humanized. No, exactly. And then you have movies, even like Cronenberg's Eastern Promises. Where have you seen that movie? No, I never have. So, um, oh my God. He's in oh, people are probably listening. They're like, I know who stars in it. And I know that you know who stars in it, but I can't think of the name. Vigo Mortensen. Right Mortensen stars as oh, this. I was so excited to be like your researcher. Oh, I'm so sorry that my brain just like came it was the ST, it came through. Um he come he stars as this. I don't want to give anything away, but he's it's about the Russia Mafia and then there's this like come to jesus moment almost at the end where he's redeemed to be like working with the british and it's like yeah so you've totally villainized russians again because this character who you're like what who am i following like what is he doing like he's human but he's bad but he's doing the blah 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 and then it's like oh no he's like working for the gu- it's he's it's okay to like it's him. okay he's because good. he's an
2: agent of yes. of the power that we regard as good and 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 excuse me you know none of this is to say that the Russian government and the USSR before, hasn't done horrible shit.
1: No, I'm Lithuanian, so I can attest to the fact that, like, my great uncles got sent to Siberia for 20 years because they, like, did not believe in the USSR. So So they were in gulag. They were in gulag. Yeah, Straight up. And then they came out and then continued to protest until Lithuania declared its independence. But, like wow that's badass it's your great badass. uncles were Lithuanian pussy riot yeah they like did not fuck around that's they were amazing. sent on an ice float holy shit in the fucking 40s oh my god yeah it was pretty cool there's a really there's a cool documentary about all of that stuff and like so I grew up around like my grandpa and stuff who politics were everything mm-hmm. and like yada yada so it's like but that being said, he would go to Moscow sometimes because one of his brothers ended up living there. And he I would be he would tell me about being followed by the KGB and having like they almost took his passport away and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, like Russia, man. He's like, ah oh, it's just people trying to be alive. And you're like, oh, I guess that's kind that's of a good deeply way practical.
2: It. Yeah, <laughs> that that's... is a deeply. Pro- I feel like people who've been through the shit. Uh sometimes are the most practical people.
1: Oh for sure. They're just
2: like, Yeah, well it's it's a power grab. Everybody wants power, and you're like, okay,
1: that's a that's a good point. We're gonna hold on, now we're pausing for commercial, and on top of power, we're gonna continue.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: And we're back. Oh, my God. What a great time <laughs> that was. That was, was a really good commercial. Yeah. You know what? I try my best. And it's as simple as that. That You killed it. Thank you. But speaking on power, mm-hmm. I think there's also something like very seductive about Rasputin's legend because it's this idea that women can get almost like taken by these con artists full of power, da, 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 da. And the like men strong. That's a real story
2: about my life. <laughs>
1: except except for instead of power, just replaced with sense of humor which is power it is power Uh, yeah it's like you can seduce a fucking congregation by doing a lot of things it doesn't just have to be like going up and Rasputin all over the place
2: oh no you can like absolutely
1: you know personality is power I mean the cult of personality Ted Bundy for sure like Marilyn Manson I mean, not Marilyn, oh well, yeah, Marilyn Manson, Marilyn. Charles yeah, Manson.
2: Sure. I, I mean, a lot of, and I think that sometimes we elect politicians based on, largely on a cult of personality. It's very rare to elect someone based on their devotion to the plodding, boring work of, legis- of legislation. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that Rasputin is this character in history who was real, who, and I'm just pulling up info about him, he also was born to a peasant family in Siberia. And he did a pilgrimage to a monastery and he some people will talk about him as a priest but apparently he was never officially anything with the Russian Orthodox Church but he was just very captivating and became the society figure he was basically a self-help guru of sorts but and and like all self-help gurus who make a lot of money was incredibly self-aggrandizing mm-hmm. you have to be to oh, yeah. make a lot of money i mean uh, you know the power of now dude uh oh, that guy that guy who took his name from and and ancient mystic, whatever that dude's name is, he's self-aggrandizing. And yes. people will be like, no, Eckhart Tolle. They'll be like, no, he's just really, he lived on a park bench. And okay, dude, sure. Come up with your own mythology. You push it. You do your publicity tour um, Elon
1: Musk, you could argue, would also be another oh, one Oh, hell of those. yeah,
2: Deepak Chopra, who granted Deepak yeah. Chopra, uh, you know, did go to med school, did mm-hmm. the work. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard he's a, I've heard, I don't know him, but I've heard he is a real, he's a good, you know, friend and dad and all these different things, just from friends of friends and things like that. So I've heard those, those rumors that he's a genuinely lovely guy. None of these people, so, and some of them purport to be sort of selfless and live outside of the world. He doesn't. He's very much engaged with the world. But all these fucking people are they they didn't come fall out of the sky like no these are human beings who wanted money and who found a way to work it and you can look at it as a racket or you can say um they are genuinely helping people and they deserve compensation for their labor i would say they that if you do the work you deserve compensation for your labor and that's fine i mean i, I i've written books like uh you know it's not it's not a charitable thing but rasputin was not working in such a transparent fashion. He was manipulating people and w- climbing his way to the top, and he got the ear of Alexandra, the Tsarina, and her son. Uh, Their uh, her son with Nicholas Alexei was hemophiliac, a uh, hemophiliac, and so a blood disorder mm-hmm. um, that is incredibly, you know, it can you can bleed out rather easily. And even today, we have pretty great treatment for it, um, at least in if you can access it. But it can still be dangerous. You can bleed out from just a, something very, or maybe bleeding out isn't the right term. But your blood doesn't clot properly. Yeah,
1: you go into distress, and it's very slippery slope. And then mm-hmm. if it's too late, it's too late. And so
2: it's you know you can imagine back in the day when you couldn't get the kind of treatment that that can be accessed today if you have the privilege to do so. Like it, these are the richest people in the world, but they can't invent technology that doesn't exist yet. So he was there to cure him and and you know people obviously at court and beyond
1: were not too happy that this weirdo had her ear did he end up i feel like i'm getting a couple of like historical figures confused but did he end up helping the son like did he act like weren't there didn't something happen that was like he was actually helping the son or there was something that was questionable about like oh he's actually making a difference maybe
2: they believed that he did did I mean some of the members of the royal family and beyond really thought that he had helped? I don't know how to explain uh, how to say this word, Alexei. He was he was the only heir to Nicholas. A- Zarevich,
1: maybe is how you say it. I'm you not sure. Are There's a term. Well, That I'm accent, trying. That accent was chef's kiss, my friend. I'm
2: trying. Thank you. So the zarina was really attached to him because she was like, he can heal my son, and he was, uh, it was faith healing. So it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but everybody's going, oh, he's miraculous powers, and other people are going, no, this is absolutely bullshit. I, I mean, I do think that there is a kind of Russian attitude. Again, major generalization, which is very, uh, and I don't, I don't know if this is has always been true in Russian culture, or if it's just the folks I've met who, granted, come from immigrant stock and largely refugee stock, who have that kind of. Fuck it, man. This is the way the world goes. Very like down to earth, like take the piss out of somebody, sarcastic, down to earth attitude. Like this, I know I'm generalizing here, but I don't know if that's a, a, a perpetual Russian thing, but it's a very, to me, it's very practical. And that's one thing I love about my friends who are either Russian or from countries that were formerly Russian. Uh, A lot of them are just like, but you know, most of them also had to come here when they were 10 or risk starvation or death. So you're going to probably be pretty down to earth when you were raised in the Bronx by immigrant stock and had to fucking like adjust to the United States. But it's a lot of like very just like, fuck it, man. Like very practical. I don't know. I don't mean to like, I don't know if it sounds like I'm romanticizing or.
1: No, I think I understand what you're saying. It's almost like (laughs) I just thought of like that bit at the um, Jamali second special where it's the dog being like he watched the Nazi. Nazis march through France and it's like you know what I've seen you cogsucker it's like that kind of like just like yeah I've some seen shit, some happens. shit yeah and I um I mean I think that yeah it's pers- I think it's perspective it's what... I just
2: don't know a lot of Russian immigrant hippies I guess is what I'm trying to say
1: <laughs> yeah I honestly actually recently I wrote something and had this conversation where when you've like I mean right now like Crystal therapy, people are into that. People are into juices. People are into like, like I read. Oh, I have
2: crystals in my tits right now. I think. her. Yeah, I'll take one out. This is one. I it was at the here we go. Oh, that's rose quartz. Yeah, man. But every chick in L.A. I know with big titties has some crystals in her boobs because you just mean, carry them around.
1: I think like there's there's that. There's also like there's a lot of I think right now. It's bullshit. Desperate, it's total
2: bullshit. Desperate
1: times call for you want answers anywhere, and sometimes that can be found in spirituality. Mm-hmm. And like that doesn't make it wrong. It's only wrong when you pour like shove it on other people, and they're like you're wrong for not feeling this yeah, way.
2: Yeah, if you're proselytizing, and beyond that, you're trying to force or it or appropriating.
1: People. Like if you're like for sure, that's like calm down, everyone. Like also, who
2: knows where these crystals were sourced from? Probably unethical means. Yeah. Every time, <laughs> every time I get them, I'm like. I need to quit this shit. It's but it's it's magical thinking. It's the idea that I mean, I think of myself as half Mulder and half Scully.
0: I so like that.
2: pretty much in all things. Like I think everything is bullshit and I think everything is real all at the same time and part of that is being raised Catholic but also enjoying science and also being raised in a massive franchised corporation that enabled and and hid massive amounts of child abuse uh is relatively disillusioning <laughs> if you, be- I you also believed grew up all Catholic. the shit when you were little. Yeah. Oh, yeah. a Donahue? Mm, can no. you believe it? Oh That's my god. That's a good Jewish name. The Donahue. Everybody thought
1: that I was Jewish for the time I my name, but I showed them that you, I am Irish Lithuanian. You were like, duh, the I'm,
2: obvious I'm combo. I'm as pale as an
1: uncooked potato
2: <laughs> on <laughs> the inside. You are a porcelain angel doll oh, from thank heaven. You
1: so much. But um I a, will get a heat rash from today. Days weather, so enjoy that, everybody.
2: I'm so. I just. I have a. I have stitches in my back right now because I got. uh I have skin. I had skin cancer when I was 17. Not in a melanoma, thank God. But I had basal cell carcinoma which is not as bad but it's very weird for a 17 year old to have it that's like something that golfers in their 50s get my
1: mom had that she had a lot of stuff removed from like over time
2: oh yeah Yeah. i have a bunch of scars as like on my arms this was it was on my back when i was 17 and so veering off the rasputin topic so i you know had surgery and when i was 17 i was at a teaching hospital in new jersey thank god robert wood johnson they were fantastic and uh the time they the way they did mapping of the body was to take photos of you close up basically polaroids but super close up of your whole naked body to check make sure so i'm just like hanging out there naked with my doctor who's a man who they always had a a a woman and another woman doctor a nurse to make you comfortable and to be appropriate and protect themselves against claims i'm sure Mm -hmm. but then they had asked my parents permission if it was okay um to have med students arrive my parents asked me I was like yeah sure but it, so it's like a team of med students and you know they're they're men they're young men like 60 years older five years older than me who all some of them are very good with the poker face some of them are wicked nervous like looking at other stuff
1: oh my god and I'm like
2: smiling like hi how are you and I'm, I'm like they're all like oh my god and the nurses who are older are just like laughing at them and then there's a, a woman med student and I'm like hey girl what's up and <laughs> and so I was just basically naked getting photographed but I was like this This is fine. It's going to keep me from, you know, probably dying young, Um, which isn't probably going to happen with basal cell. But you can lose a lot of flesh and it can cause damage to, you know, uh, your body. And so anyway, because of that, every year I'm supposed to go twice a year to the dermatologist to get checked. And inevitably they find something and do a biopsy. And sometimes they find something more and then they go in and really get in there. So I have these stitches on my back that I got the day before yesterday. And it's like such a weird experience to fly with that because you're like you have to – um, change your bandage and and give use Aquaphor or Neosporin or whatever. And so right now I'm just very conscious of that. Um, and but it's I don't know why I brought that up. Sorry. Anyway, if Rasputin had been around, <laughs> well, I think
1: I mean that my ha- mom would have been like, oh, okay, maybe he can work. Oh no. Also, I think it kind of does piggyback on the idea that like when things are. Like, you're half Mulder and half Scully. So there's the science part of you that is like, I get this taken care of. I go to the dermatologist. Yep. I like, I do all of these things. And then there's the other part of you that just took a rose quartz out of your bra. Exactly. That's like, but I believe that this might bring the properties I need. Like, maybe this will bring a healing component. that is. will help
2: me heal faster, man. Like, I definitely burned a candle from House of Intuition in Los Angeles, which has two stores in L.A. It's like crystals and stuff and books and like burned it and it was like a love incoming candle and I thought it was like bring love to me and I meditated and then when the candle burns down there's crystals at the bottom and then you just put them in your tits if you're me I guess. Oh
1: that's so lovely. Yeah it's like
2: an altar. I have an altar at home. Do you really? I do.
1: And so okay what do you think this says about us then that this is like I I feel like there's only a few things that continue throughout every decade history. There's A struggle for power. Mm -hmm. Power. People get off on power. I fucking love power. I love it. Give me power. I love it. Um, I love power. Ta-da. I think there's also – I mean ego, jealousy, et cetera. But then I think there's also this like spirituality realm where it's not like organized religion where that is allowed because there are rules and it also like caters to a higher political space sometimes. But what do you think it says that, like, this idea of spirituality and mysticism continues all through history? Like, it's never not been around. And it's never not been That's controversial.
2: True. I think that um – yeah, I'm sure it always has been controversial in some way because even in early days, I'm sure that you had, you know, if one nomadic tribe encountered another and they had different visions of of a god or gods and they worshiped different god or gods th- that that could have created conflict. Or there maybe there could have been the belief that your gods are your gods, our gods are our gods, but I'm sure there was some disagreement there. The, f- the fundamental question is always what's coming next and there's no way to know. And that, the tension between... Being in the present and the inability to predict the future is is quite intense and it's frightening. It is essentially quite frightening, I think, to be a human and confront the fact that you do not know what will happen, that your child could die, that you could be injured, that all your resources could be swept away by flood, by earthquake, by fire – and that you cannot control these unknowns. And when we talk about, even today, when, when I'm, for example, if I'm teaching, like I'm teaching a workshop soon uh, here, and if you're, I always refer to te- uh, a storytelling workshop, I always say this is a safer space. It's not a safe space, and here's why. Because I cannot predict what someone is going to say it might hurt your feelings. I can set ground rules, but I cannot control you and make you follow them. Also, a ceiling tile could fall on you and injure you. I don't know the structure of this building mm-hmm. where I know we're in Toronto, but uh, you know, when I'm in LA or even when I, actually I've, I've been in New Jersey when there was an earthquake a few years ago, it was very small, but it was very weird. I can't say when I'm at home in Los Angeles that, the big earthquake isn't going to show up and make my house fall over. So I can tell you that this is a safer space and that I will attempt to create ground rules of respect and I will ask you to respect them. And if you don't, I will ask you to leave or I will have you removed if you try to attack someone else, right? I can say those things. But I cannot guarantee... That bad things won't happen, and and I suppose in a larger sense, because we cannot guarantee bad things. In fact, we can guarantee bad things will happen or tough things so will the happen. The only
1: thing we can guarantee, yeah,
2: that will and that we will die. Yeah, we will die at some point, Life but we don't is know where. Life hard,
1: when. and then you die. Yeah, and so <laughs> so
2: that is terrifying. Uh, and so we can we've developed different, I think, spiritual f- philosophical practices around the acceptance of that and finding joy there. Yeah. and uh, so I think we're always going to wonder, and I am. There is part of me that thinks there is nothing else out there but what is concrete and there is part of me that thinks there is lots of other stuff out there. But I don't know. And I was I was on a podcast recently and the host, Daniel Van Kirk, who's a comedian uh, from uh, – living in L.A. but from the Midwest. I think we were ta- – I think with this conversation was on air or maybe it was off air. I remember him saying that You're, you have a notion of God, let's say, in theory. Well – let's say god there's a god is real maybe it's not your god maybe it's somebody else's god mm-hmm. or maybe it's a kind of god you've never contemplated so we don't know so that that fundamental unknown is something that drives us as humans that frightens us that inspires us and so we come up with Crystals and titties. We come up with, we listen to Rasputin, we pray, we genuflect. I cross myself instinctively sometimes.
1: So do I, actually. It's I'll really totally strange. Do it. yeah. I'll make the sign of
2: the cross in totally random ass times.
1: Yeah, like, yes, it's very weird. And people I, pray at sports games. Like, I still, like, I don't, I am in the same boat, I think, as you, where I'm like, I don't really know what I believe in anymore. But I'm wearing my Nana's watch today and I put on a rose smelling perfume because I felt like I needed to be close to her. And I was like, I don't know if beautiful. she's around, but I kind of just, like wander around today
2: i put on my Nicki minaj perfume pink friday which is in the bottles in the shape of her body and it was like 15 bucks at walmart great and no one should shop at walmart i did and i feel bad about it but anyway i put it on and part of that is because she's a boss bitch and i put it on because it makes me feel like i will um, embody certain qualities that i attribute to her based on the public persona she projects including being beautiful Being sexy, but moreover, being strong and making strong choices. Like, that's kind of, that's ridiculous. But that's a form of mysticism It's it's a form of mysticism. It's like if I wear this $15 Walmart perfume, then I'll embody some of these qualities. Yeah. Projected by a woman I've never met who I don't know
1: personally at all. No, but I like, it's like listening to Beyonce when you need to get psyched up. You're you're just like, she understands how life works. She gets me. No,
2: she doesn't know us at all. We don't know her. She has no
1: idea. She she is full on Don Draper saying I don't think about you at all because she is living her own life and that mm-hmm. is and as she should she shouldn't think about us at all right but I always think it's funny because I quote Don Draper all the time oddly it's very strange but there's that other bit that he says once where he's like the universe isn't different and I said that to my therapist recently because we're talking about anxiety and I was like she's like what do you think can help you let go of the fact that you can't control everything and I was like I don't know that the universe doesn't Single me out because it's indifferent and it doesn't really care. And she's like, Is that like a depressing thought? I'm like, No, it's actually very freeing. And she's like, Then maybe that's something you can take stock in as opposed to like being like, What does this mean? Blah, 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 blah. Like, if I like, did I manifest it this? Am I the one that like, What am I doing? Is this someone's bad energy? It's like, Maybe just be cool, man. Like, just. Maybe that's a form of mysticism in itself, like le- like letting go and letting God.
2: Yeah, let go and let God. And it's also detach with love. Uh, but oh, I uh, like that. It's, yeah, that's from, uh, gosh, that's from like CODA literature, from Codependence and Honest Literature. But I think it might be from uh, Codependent No More by Melody Beatty. Uh, but yeah, it's a definitely detaching with love. Like mm. to, if you're engaged, for example, if you are someone who's codependent and you're in a Relationship with an active alcoholic who's not working a program and you're not working on your shit, it's important to just go, okay, you can detach from a relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic. It can be someone who's in your family who you're always going to be related to by blood, but, and this doesn't mean you cut them off, but you detach from the results. You just go, okay, I'm detaching. I wish them well mm-hmm. or as well as I can based on our, but I got to step away. I got to take my hands off the wheel here. And it, it's sort of reminding me of um, when, you know, if you hit a patch of ice, It can be worse to pump the brakes.
1: It's so much worse. As somebody that drives in winter constantly, it is – the worst thing you can do. And this prompts religion. It prompts religion. And that's why you turn to fucking def- like, yeah, because you're like, well, what can I control? I can My destiny. And I can pray. Okay, I'm going to... Drink and pray. Drink and pray. I have rapid fire questions for you now. Yeah, dude, go Because we're already it. in the last five minutes. Hell, what? I told you. Damn. I don't waste time here. You made it happen. Okay, rapid fire time. Ready, ready, ready. What's your favorite thing about Rasputin? Like his trait?
2: <sighs> his... The fact that he was allegedly hypnotic in nature...
1: Excellent. Do you think you would have succumbed to his charms and or mysticism? I would have been fascinated by him, but I also would have thought he was full of shit.
2: Mulder Scully. Mulder Scully.
1: Why do you think the men of the house responded in such an extreme way to him?
2: They were very threatened by his uh, sexuality, his charm, and they also recognized that he was dangerous and manipulative and full of shit.
1: Do you think anybody in our current cultural sphere comes close to that?
2: I think that most. I think that uh, yeah, uh, probably, probably celebrity self help gurus. I would say, hundred percent. Yeah, so I would say if you're looking at like a Doctor Oz, who pushes a lot of bullshit. If you're looking at
1: Deepak Chopra, Gabby I mean, Bernstein.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Like uh, any sort of self help guru, whether you like them or not, is working with some level of
1: cult of personality hundred percent.
2: And I wrote, you know, I wrote a book called Real Artists Have Day Jobs is kind of self-helpy. Like it's not usually shelved in that section, I don't think. But it's humor essays. Maybe it is listed as self-help. I forget. But, you know, so you can say that too. And you can also say that about – you. Can say, com- see, I feel like comedians are entertainers expressly. So you know you're getting entertainment. But anytime somebody purports to be able to heal your life – and they're usually – I've known some self-help people. They're behind the scenes. They're usually bonkers as hell and really difficult to work with sometimes. Sometimes they're lovely. But um, anybody who seems like they're selling you the answers without talking about how fucked up they are all the time. That's the thing. You gotta talk about how fucked up you are all the time you if have you're gonna to. talk to me about how fucked up I am. That, yeah. You gotta share.
1: Also, I fucking love fucked up people. Those are my favorite people.
2: Yeah, just talk about how fucked up you are. I think it's cool. Then we'll just hang out.
1: Yeah, that means you're a person. Be down to earth. Like yes. lead with
2: your own bullshit first. Sure, be professional.
1: Yeah. And then once we have that out of the way, then let's just talk shit. Yeah. And be honest. We're all d- disgusting, messy disasters.
2: Um, I have one of my best friends, Sabrina, is so rad. Sabrina Cognata, she runs a, a website and a thing, a Instagram called Dickapage. The Dickapage Project, which started just because guys kept sending her dick pics. And right. she was like, cool, I'm going to put them online. Yeah. And uh, some people, but also it's a lot of like, it's a lot of feminist stuff. It's a lot of, she's an artist and weirdo. But she always will talk about stopping drinking and why that was important. She'll always talk about, Publicly talk about trauma and things like that and then she gives excellent advice as well and you can take it or leave it but you know it's grounded in somebody who's working on their own stuff.
1: That's the thing. I like when there's that like the ground base is like here's my advice but I have fucked up so bad and Mm -hmm. here's how like messy I am and here's what I've learned through it and it's definitely not the answers but these are the answers I found. Yeah. It's a great I, philosophy, I think. Oh, as soon as you get somebody being like, I have the answers, it's like, mm, no, 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 no. Rasputin, you don't deserve to die because no one deserves to get murdered in such a oh, terrible way. Oh, of course way. not.
2: Also, apparently you had a huge dick and it took them a million times to like shoot you and then yeah, somebody kept your dick in a box, allegedly. Really? Yeah. The, allegedly, a woman in Paris somehow ended up with his dick and had it years later.
1: I mean, in retrospect, it looked bad because it was obviously decomposing. And yeah. It's not like they had the technology to keep it uh, yeah, looking great. Yeah, it's just going to be, I don't, it's you know. It's not nice. Like, that's not Ugh, they, even even a normal man attached to a dick if you're not interested in that man I don't want to see it I don't want to see it but it's alive
2: and healthy unless I want to see it unless I have
1: asked specifically if I request it then I'm here cool. for it.
2: And you're free to say no. I mean, everyone's body is their own. That's their own. I mm. liked what
1: you wrote that one. You gave a guy advice. You're like, everyone's on their own sexual journey. Nobody, like, I was like, yeah. Yeah,
2: like, everybody is. You're on your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. And and you have agency. And if it's, particularly if, if that has ever been taken away from you or, or you've been denied that, uh, you've been abused or violated in some way, that means a million times as much it's important to, be in your own body and have your own sexual agency and also to to be to feel fine choosing to not be sexual as well like i i i, I write a a column for this site called Mandatory which is called The Lower Brain and it's an advice column typically around love and sex but we get into other stuff too and it's targeted at men or male identified humans like it's LGBTQIA friendly and all that jazz and some of it sometimes the questions I get I got one that was called abuse does not have well the title is abuse does not have to break you and it's from somebody who was abused when he was younger by a woman and a lot of what I talk about in the response is like about you know owning your body and being okay with with making your own sexual choices and consent and things like that and so you know to bring it back to Rasputin there's really no way to kindly bring it back to Rasputin to go from that to talking about Rasputin doesn't really work but if I could if I were a better broadcaster I could make it oh happen. I
1: would say then on that note you know what as long as like the Tsarises were comp- like we're like like they were like I'm down I'm giving you consent everybody go for it like Dare, Consent live is your, sexy. Live your truth. If
2: consenting adults, what they do, don't hurt yourself or anybody else. Exactly. Cool. Don't Go force for your
1: weird shit on other people if they're like, "I don't want that shit." Uh huh. Don't be a dick. Yeah, I don't hold one in a box.
2: I had a conversation recently with someone who was interested in spending adult time with me, and we just kind of ran down the stuff. Like, okay, what are you into? What's the deal? Like, it was it not as clinical as I'm making it sound, but it was really interesting to get. to. We weren't even sexting. It was more like an interview. Like, ah, yes. Um, Um, And it was really interesting just to learn what that person is into and not into and what kind of the lines were. And and we haven't done anything, but it it was, if nothing else, very illuminating. Those are I, important
1: conversations. I was like, "Oh, this is." And it
2: doesn't have to be as you know, as boom, 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 like that. It can come up organically within
1: context. But uh, yeah, consent is sexy. Yeah, and language language matters. Language matters. Words carry power, or at least our reactions to words carry power. So, where can the internet find
2: you? Probably doing some shows in Los Angeles, um, probably, and I'm working on my next book and doing all kinds of side gigs for work with with writing and, uh, you know, writing. I'm at Sarah J. Benincasa on Twitter and Instagram. I'm facebook.com slash official Sarah Benincosa. I also just had a flashback to the fact that the last time I was in Toronto, which was what, 2015? Yes, two years ago. I had... I was... I got up to some trashy shit, I
1: have to say. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh, I
2: was such a trash bag. Yeah, I had a trash not like with a Canadian. It was all visiting Americans. I got up to some trashy shit with some visiting Americans. You know what?
1: <laughs> so she's I've, gonna be doing some trashy shit in your what area, if I'm folks.
2: Just like super sophisticated this time. Like what if I'm just like, what if I'm just like, or what if I'm just super virginal? What if I reclaim, you know?
1: You can do whatever you want. What happens in Toronto is up to you. <laughs> no, I don't know if he will stay in Toronto because people like to gossip. But oh my god, I was on a, f- <laughs> I was on a flight on the way here with
2: somebody I hadn't talked to in a while, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, it was one of those things where you roll on. It was just really funny. I was like, oh, that dude's here. Oh shit, I did not say hi. I not that this is this is a lovely person. I'm sure. Sh- But I was just – you know when you see somebody and you're just like, oh, that was a story I'm not going to go into on this podcast or in real life. But it was really funny. I I was like tired. I'm rushing and I'm like rolling through first. I'm like, okay. And then I just like keep going to economy and sit down and just started laughing. I was like, I'm not even going to engage. But basically there's – Canada uh, is a beautiful country. I'm very excited to be here. I long to visit every province – And territory, but I'm super stoked to be in Ontario in general and specifically in Toronto. Oh, but my legal last name is Donnelly, and my father's surname. And I. um, The Black Donnellys? Dude, yeah, yeah. I've never been to the museum, and I wanna go so bad. I don't even
1: know where it is. Oh, God, it's out. Where is it? It's not in Kitchener. Where is it? No, it's not. I'm from from Hamilton. Maybe Ham. No, I'm from there. I'm around that area.
2: Huh, I forget, but I need to go at some point. I'm just glad you came on. Thank you so I'm much I'm so for happy to be here, Anne. Thank man. you so Thank much. You. You're amazing. You're amazing. Everybody subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening because I pushed it out on my social media, uh, subscribe. Yeah, She's great. Please.
1: Thank you so much. Of course. And yeah, so also you can hit me up at nobodycarespodcast.ca and you can tell me something that you're obsessed with and nobody else cares about. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Auntie Donahue. I will talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.